Is that on now? Hello? Don't put in the pocket. What about the back, back pocket? No. Okay. Good. Okay, so for this morning, um, I have a, a, a verse up there that you can see, and it's, um, I've entitled the sermon, Great is Your Faith, and that's because that's what Jesus later on says to this woman. But, um, but it's, a, it's one of the strangest things that Jesus ever said to a person. And when we hear how, where this person has come from, um, it's quite... It raises a few questions, to say the least. So here Jesus, he replied and he said, Is it not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs? It's a fairly strange reply that Jesus had for this woman. And, um, and just to... So this, this passage or this story is uh, in two passages. It's in Mark and it's also in Matthew. But we'll be looking at at this passage from the book of Matthew, chapter 15, and we'll go verse by verse, as you'll see on the overhead, so you can just keep looking um, at the overheads or read your Bible if you would like. But in Mark, he talks a little bit... There's always very similarities and slightly different um, versions to, to the story, and I believe it's mainly because of who they're targeting, so who the gospel writer is targeting who the audience is. And, um, but Mark is, mentions about Jesus entering a house and he didn't want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret, he talks about. So you could just imagine that Jesus, um, after a while, Jesus would be drained as well. You know, going to place to place. And, and those people that work... Um, with a lot of people, you know how draining it could be to have people coming to you all the time and people coming with issues and with problems. And that's what was happening with Jesus. But it wasn't so much the people that were coming to him. It was more the people that were opposing him, which was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they always just wanted to find something wrong with him or, or, or trap him or corner him and just make him look bad and prove to the people that he was not who he claimed to be. And then on the other hand, he had people that had real needs and he had people that believed him and he had people that put all their faith in him and were coming to him and, 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 and again, but that would also be draining. So here Jesus just wanted to have a break. So he goes out of Israel and he goes to a place called Tyre and Sidon, which is now in Lebanon. And he just wanted to move away a bit from Israel, from where all the Jewish leaders were, the Pharisees, because they wouldn't be there, you'd think. So just to have a little bit of a break and a bit of space. But do you think that he could do that? He couldn't even have that over there either. So Jesus could not hide from people. He, the word just spread so much, so rapidly, that he couldn't, um, he couldn't hide from, from people. He couldn't have a place... Uh, a holiday you know it's almost like he would like to go away for a weekend but he couldn't everywhere there was people that heard about him and that knew of his um power that he had to heal the power that he had to raise the power that he had to open the eyes of blinds and he, they heard these stories and this is no exception and this is a a, a woman so he goes to um this woman had a lot of things going against her 
not only the, the, her child that was demon-possessed, as you'll see in a minute, but she also was a... First of all, she, she, the thing that she has going against her is that Jesus was on a break. So she wants to go to... She, she hears of this guy that could heal, and she must have heard a lot about him because we'll, we'll see how Jesus replies to her. And it's only written in this passage. This word is only mentioned in this story. Nowhere else. And we'll get to that in a minute. But it's quite interesting that she would have heard about this person that could heal her daughter or could free her from this demon that was controlling her life. So, but Jesus was on a holiday. He was having a break. He didn't want to minister to people. Second thing is that she was a pagan. She was not a Jew. So that was another problem too and that's why the disciples told her to be quiet and they just wanted her to go away. She was a woman which was in those days women were not supposed to speak. Women were looked down upon. So she had a lot of things going against her. And there was a... Although there was no reason to think that Jesus would help her, she came because she probably was her last hope that she had. She ran out of ideas of how she could heal this daughter of hers. How could she find hope for her? So if we can go to the next slide, we'll read verses 21 and 22. It says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came, came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. She's not only demon-possessed, but she's suffering terribly. You know, it's just beautiful how the Bible, God's Word, doesn't dwell on, <clears throat> on all the details of every case that comes up to Jesus. You know, we have cases of demon-possessed people that they were foaming at the mouth and they were rolling on the ground. And there's, many diff there's a number of different cases that you have of people, how they reacted to the demon-possessed that were possessing them. But here we don't, we're not told that, we're just told that she suffered terribly. And that really bothered the mum. And that really was a pain for the mother. And I think that every parent can understand this. Um, we, some of you might know, but we've been looking after uh, a couple of little babies for the last oh, two and a half, three weeks. And for the last two weeks, we've had a little girl called Grace and her brother called Ro. And they've been sick, and that's why Rosanna's not here, but... I tell you, I've done a lot of praying at about 4 o'clock in the morning carrying this little grace around the house. And you just do that because you feel for the little child. There's not much else that you can do. And so I had a desperation. But every parent will know because I've, I'm sure that every parent has the experience where they just felt hopeless when a child is sick and there's not much you can do about it. And when your son or daughter is sick, there's no, no matter what, you know, it doesn't matter if... The, on test results, it doesn't matter on the latest technology, it doesn't matter on, on x-rays, it doesn't matter on the latest medicine and the research, nothing else matters. Only one thing matters and that's what mattered to this woman. Is my child going to be okay? That's all she wanted. She wanted the child to be okay. And we don't know how she became tormented by a demon, like I mentioned. We don't know what it actually did to her. And this, we, we're not even mentioned the, the daughter's name. There's nowhere it's mentioned her name. But just the mother. And that's why this woman came to Jesus that day. 
And we love miracle stories, don't we? Because they always come with a happy ending and they finish on a good note. When people came to Jesus, did he reject them? Did Jesus meet them and meet their needs? Yes, he did. But this is kind of a very, a bit of an unusual, it's a strange way. Jesus responds to this woman and he almost seems cruel. He seems cruel what Jesus says to this woman. Did Jesus not believe her story? Did Jesus not care about her daughter? Now, Jesus treats each person, and this is an important part, Jesus treats each person differently. Jesus meets each person where they're at. Think of Nicodemus. He spoke to Nicodemus at his term, at his level. He speaks to each one of us differently. He treats each one of us differently. The woman at the well, the deaf mute. What about Zacchaeus? Each person, Jesus treats us different because he knows that we were created as individuals. So you all have your need. The way that you are is the way that God made you, but you have a need to have him in your life. You have a need to have God in your life. It's the only hope that you have. To understand how how Jesus dealt with this Canaanite woman, um, we need to answer two key questions. The first one is, why was Jesus silent? So if we go to verse um, 23, it says, Jesus did not answer a word. She, here he is, she's coming and she's asking Jesus, you know, son of David, help me. She's crying out to him and what does Jesus says doesn't answer. He doesn't say a word. Have you ever experienced that? Where there's just been silent? Happens a bit, doesn't it? We'd be lying to say he doesn't. Jesus did not answer a word. When you're desperate in need, there's nothing worse than silence. When you're in desperate need and you cry out to God, there's nothing worse than just total silence coming from, from, from heaven. It happens to all of us time, from time to time. But when that happens, you must not let your feelings rule your heart. See, when you hear no silence, your heart is telling you to give up. Your flesh is telling you that maybe, maybe the experience that you had with God a year ago or two years ago or, or a few minutes ago, it really isn't there. Maybe God doesn't exist. Has that ever happened to you? That you doubt his existence only because of a desperate need that you're in? You're in a desperate need and he just does not answer. So imagine this woman, she's in a desperate need. Her, her daughter, she's in pain, she's hurting. She's des suffering desperately. And Jesus does not answer a word. What were the things that would be coming to her mind? Did this woman have faith? Did this woman have a relationship? Did she meet Jesus somewhere else before that? We don't know that. But she wasn't even in Israel, so she was in Lebanon now. It wasn't that far away from the Sea of Galilee. I think it's something like 40 miles or 40 kilometers. It wasn't that far away. Jesus did not speak to her immediately, but he heard every word that she says. And I think that that identifies also that Jesus does not reply to your prayers and to my prayers immediately, but he hears every single word that we pray. He hears every word that you pray. And his silence was meant to draw out her faith. 
It was meant to draw out her faith in the statement that she made. And it was only not going to be just a lesson for her, but for the disciples, but for you and me as well. God's song doesn't always mean no. God's song does not mean God's refusal. It doesn't mean that he does not approve. Sometimes it means that it's not this, not now, not yet, later on, or maybe you've got to go through a particular time in your life before you get an answer to your prayers. So as far as the disciples were concerned, she was just a, a, some strange, sad, pagan woman who kept on bothering them. She was a Canaanite woman. And they were probably tired of telling her to be quiet and go away. So then they asked Jesus. And we can turn the question around this way. Why doesn't God always answer our prayers the first time we pray for them? Why doesn't he answer your prayers and my prayers the first time that we ask for them? Could it be that maybe we would take God for granted if he did? Maybe that we would just think of God as one that answers me because of the relationship that I have or how good I am or because how faithful I am or how so would it be the focus on us or would it be that he he's at my um, he, he's at my hand so I can uh, just ask for whatever I wish and then we would start showing people what we can do the boiling prayers get God's attention James 5.16 I think I have that the second part of that he says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And before that, the first part, he says, encourage one another, pray with one another. But I like um, the, I think that is a King James Version. He says, he tells us that the fervent prayer of a righteous person, the fervent prayer and then the amplified, he says, the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man are powerful and effective. So persistent, he talks about being persistent and that's what this woman was. It means that your soul, your heart is so stirred up that you only focus on this one thing. And this is, it's exactly the example that we have with this woman. She didn't care about herself, she didn't care about her well-being, about what people thought of her as she kept going and going and going on and on. There was only one thing that was on her mind, and it was her daughter. You would have heard stories of parents doing extraordinary things for their children. I read the story of a man that his son had an infection in his eye, and he was about to lose his eye. And they're trying to save his eye, and his dad, out of desperation, was crying out to God and saying, Remove my eye and give it to my child. And I'm sure there's many stories like that. Jesus is putting this woman's faith on trial. We beg and we plead for God, for our own flesh and blood, for our children. Will she turn away in despair or will she keep on asking? Like I said, delay does not always mean denial. Faith only grows when it is being tested. And here her faith was being tested. Here she's being tested. 
And I think it's very important for um, parents to pray for their children and never to give up. Especially when trials come and when kids seem to make choices that are, that are contradicting to what they have been taught or they've been raised at. Can we have the next slide, please? Then Jesus says to her, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. So Jesus tells her that he came for these rights, that he came for the... And this woman wouldn't go away. You know the part before this? He says, Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, is it not right? Is it not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs? This is no doubt the greatest challenge of this passage, isn't it? She was on her knees and she's crying out to Jesus and he tells her that. She was a... Jesus called this Gentile woman a dog. The word translated here is not a dog like a wild dog, but it's a it's a domesticated dog which makes it sound a little bit better but it's also probably you refer or in our English language we would probably refer to it as a, a puppy because it sounds nicer it's a cuter way of, a, of a addressing um, a dog or a person if you were going to say um, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the puppies you know so it was something on that line that he was referring to it still comes across as very cruel. I think one thing that we struggle with, and I know that I've struggled with too, is to accept the fact that, and, and probably I struggle with growing up with people that would talk about Israel so much, and they talk about God's people and about the Israelites, and I know that they've rejected Jesus, and I know that they crucified Jesus, and I struggle with that. But we know that he came to the Israels first, and Jesus said it here. He says, I came to the, to, to, the, to the house of Israel. So Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. He came in to fulfill all the Old Testament promises that were made to Israel. And that's why he sent, sent only the lost sheep of the house of Israel, he said in verse 24. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, the Apostle Paul talks about and, and confirms that as well. And he says in the second part of that, he says, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. So yes, Jesus first came to the Jews. But then he came to the Gentiles also. And God's plan was always to involve us. And he was always going to come for humanity. He was going to come for the Gentiles as well. But he had the bond with and the promise with Abraham that he promised him. And to fulfill that promise, he came to the people and they rejected him and they crucified him. When Jesus 
call this woman a, or, or when he compared a Gentile to the dogs, he's asking this woman to admit her true condition. He's saying, do you understand you're outside, completely outside of the covenant? You see in a table, in a family, there's a family and there's a table and people that sit around the table and these are the people that belong to the family. And the dogs are sitting underneath the table, they're eating the crumbs, they're, they're, they're not part of the family, they're not sitting around the table. So Jesus is saying, do you understand that you're outside of the covenant of grace? And that you have no claim on me at all. She had no claim on him. He didn't have to do anything for her. I can heal your daughter. And I'm willing to do it, but you need to acknowledge that you don't deserve it. We kind of feel that we deserve it, don't we? We feel that we deserve that everything that comes from God that we kind of deserve because we're pretty good people. We're better than some of our friends, hey? We don't sin as much. So Jesus is telling her that she can get her miracle, but it must be by grace or it won't happen at all. It must be only by grace or it won't happen at all. And that's the same for you and me. We come to God by grace and ask Him for grace or it won't happen at all. We won't get any of that at all. Another way of saying it is, do you admit you are a sinner in desperate need of God's grace? If the answer is yes, then you can do. Then you accept that you can do business with God. As long as you hold on to that self-righteousness, you can never be saved. You want to know why God has a problem with self-righteous people? It's because he knows that people that feel self-righteous, that have a self-righteous attitude, is he knows that Satan's defeat, de deceived them. He knows that Satan has implemented that lie in their minds, which is the lie that Satan had, that he can be equal to God, that he can be like God. And that's what he's trying to tell through the self-righteous people. That I am better than someone else. I don't, I don't need grace. I'm okay without it. This story becomes very powerful. In her reply. Next slide, please. He says, yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. What is she saying with that? What do you think she was meaning with that? I think she's saying that even the crumbs, even those little crumbs, is an, that's all I need. That's all that I need. If I can have those crumbs, that's enough to heal my daughter. She could have got really angry. And she could have said, don't talk to me that way. I'm no dog. She could have got angry and got the crowd involved and said, you know, he's calling me a dog. Are we people that are not from Israel? Is that what we are? 
she got a work, got all worked up, and would she have got the answer that she was looking for? Would she have found grace? No. She agreed with him. She said, "Yes, Lord." Agreeing with Jesus is always the right place to begin. <laughs> she never took offence of being called a dog. Wow. Think about what this woman did. She never gave up. She never got angry. Never contradicted Jesus. She never accused him of unfairness. Imagine what her friends told her about Jesus or where she heard about him and she could have said, well, it's not the person that you told me about. This person looks he's completely different. He's what he just said to me. She's in effect saying, you're right, I am a dog. I have no claim of your grace. I have no reason to... You have no reason to listen to me. Then she turns to him and she says, even dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the table. Wow. You know, like I mentioned before, the table for the family and the dogs are dogs, and, but they, they get fed. Dogs eventually get fed. You know, with what falls over, they get the rubbish food, the food that is collected from the table and then tossed outside. Um, so dogs get fed. And she's asking for the crumbs of grace that will heal her daughter. That's all she wanted, is those little crumbs. Is that enough for you and me? Are we happy with crumbs? Or we want the best of the best? She accepts her position, admits her needs, agrees with Jesus and never gives up. And that leads to the remarkable end to the story. And the, and the verse 28. And he says, Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Woman, you have great faith. Another translation says, Oh, woman. Imagine Jesus looking at you in the eyes and saying, Oh, woman, you have such great faith. You know that this particular word here, it's referring, in the Greek, it kind of, the root is, is, it comes from the mega, so the term, it's like a mega face, you know, like we have mega stores. It's, and it's the only time that this word was ever used in the Bible. Was it used to one of his disciples? Was it used to the closest men of his? How privileged is this woman? Jesus tells her, you have mega faith. You have great faith. He didn't say to a Gentile. He said, sorry, he said it to a Gentile, not to a Jew. He said it to a woman, not to a man. He said it to an outsider, not an insider. He said it to a pagan who believed, not to a priest, not to a, a, a Jewish leader. He didn't say to one of them to make them feel good. What are the chances a woman like that having mega faith? You know, it, I mean, there's so many things we can learn from this. But the other thing that crossed my mind as I was reading this and preparing for this is, 
here was a woman in, in a different country in Lebanon that had mega faith, that had amazing faith. What are the chances now that there is women or, or people in, in, I don't know, in Mongolia, in, on the outskirts of the world where you think that the word has not reached there, that the gospel hasn't reached there? That's what kind of a God we serve. We serve a sovereign God. A God that is in control, that can touch people's hearts. We don't know how she was affected, how she was touched. Was she at a Bible study? Was she at one of those um, sessions where he fed 5,000? Was she one of those? We don't know. But most probably she wasn't. Most probably she just heard. But Jesus praised her. Not even being called a dog would keep her away. Most people would have turned after the dog comment, but she didn't. Most would have given up in anger and despair, but she didn't. Did she get? She just persisted and she cried out to him. She understood what the Jew, what the Jews missed. She understood what the Jewish people missed. They didn't see that Jesus was, was a son of David. They didn't see that he, he could show mercy. They didn't see that he could heal. They missed it. And yet she saw it. She was a Gentile woman. She accepted her position and she argued from there. The focus on this story is on the woman. And her great faith, it's not about the daughter, it's not talking about the daughter much at all, other than we're told is that then the daughter got healed at that moment. As soon as Jesus said, woman, you have great faith, your request is granted. Do we deserve it? Did she deserve it? Did she deserve Jesus to show grace to her? Probably not. But it is in God's nature to be merciful. God is a merciful God. And God wants to give us good things. God wants to answer your prayers and my prayers. The thing that he struggles with is self-righteousness. The thing that he struggles with is when we think that we deserve it, when we, we, we claim it, we, we say that I'm entitled to it. And we're not. We always depend on the grace of God. What we need, we don't deserve. So I've summarized in four points here. And first one is no one is beyond the reach of God's grace. Could be anywhere in the world. No one is beyond the reach of God's grace. God's grace can reach them there. So for your friends, for your family, if you're praying for them, God's grace can reach them there. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Even people who today seem hopeless and far away. Point number two is when we come to God, we must come to Him on His terms, not on ours. As long as we think we deserve salvation, we will be turned away. We don't deserve salvation. Point number three is Jesus invites us to come to Him for the mercy we need whenever we need it. Point number four, Anyone can have mega faith if you will come to Jesus on his terms and never give up. Continuously persist and persist 
you know, Charles Spurgeon, a lot of you heard about Charles Spurgeon. He, when, he, when he came to this passage, he said that he preached at least 10 sermons on it. 10 different angles that he approached that sermon. And in the end, in one of his sermons, in the end, he says that her prayer should be our prayer, should be everyone's prayer whenever you're in need. And her prayer was, Lord, help me. That was her prayer. And Lord means that we recognize who Jesus really is. That we recognize that he's sovereign, that he's God in the flesh. And help means that we need what, we are, what only Jesus can give us. And means, means that we admit our helpless condition. That we don't say that I deserve it, that, that our self-righteousness gets in the way. So imagine in your prayers, in your desperation, cry out and say, Lord, help me, and have that attitude. Lord, help me. You're sovereign. You're the only one that can help me. You're the only one that can... And, and I'm hopeless. I'm told to totally helpless without you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the amazing faith this woman had, Lord. We thank you for the example that we have of this Canaanite woman that even though she was referred to as a, as a dog, Lord, she didn't take offence. But she agreed and she knew and she understood that she didn't deserve any, any mercy from you. Lord, we don't deserve any mercy from you. We don't deserve your grace and that is why it is grace that saves us because it's something that without we could never inherit your kingdom. We could never spend eternity with you, Jesus, if it wasn't for grace. Thank you for being a merciful God. Thank you for this story that we could read in the Bible. And thank you for your word, Lord, that is so powerful. We pray that you be with us and we pray that you may change us, transform us, move us, Father, from our state, Lord. And whenever we feel self-righteous, Father, I pray that we don't have to go through a very hard lesson to and pay a high price, Lord, but that we're reminded of stories like this and reminded that self-righteousness has no part when we come before you. We thank you, Jesus, and we worship you. Amen.